Well, good morning, everybody, and thanks for joining us for our Calm COVID Convo. Each webinar convo will be on a different topic relevant for COVID-19 impact on you, your business, your team, your finances, your wealth, and so forth. The idea is to take all the stress, the hype, and the drama out of the conversation and just have a calm conversation around what you need to know, and more importantly, what you can do or should do to protect your position to help you get ready for the other side of this. For those of you who don't know me, my name is John Knight. I'm the Managing Director and Founder of Business Depot. I'm a Chartered Accountant, but more and more these days, I'm spending my time helping people with their strategy or mentoring business owners um, with their plans. Overall, I, I describe what I do as I help people get unstuck from the stuff. Joining me in all of our Calm COVID convos is Rebecca Mahalik, Director of Business Depot in Sydney, also an accountant and head of our, has a bit of a tech bent and head of our national tech advisory offering. Welcome, Rebecca. Thanks for having me again, John, and uh, happy Monday and day, I don't know, 17,000 of March. <laughs> Sorry, April, not even March anymore. Start of another week. Yes. And also today we have Bradley Kahn. So Bradley's head of accounting here in our Brisbane office. Um, so obviously he's also an accountant given he's head of accounting. Welcome, Bradley. Thanks, John. Thanks for the invite. None of us um, on this panel are the types of accountants that will typically stand up and talk about, you know, a dogged determination of slashing costs. Um, but today we wanted to make sure we just had a calm conversation around how to go about looking at your costs giving you some practical tips and practical ideas of how to approach that within your business. Um, but of course, balancing it with the human side of things as well. So let's get into it. Let's have a calm COVID convo on all things cost cutting. So Bradley, I want to start with you. Um, amongst all the calls and inquiries we've been fielding about government support and everything else COVID related in the last little while, we are also fielding stacks of questions around cutting costs and getting your business ready for what lies ahead, including what's on the other side of this curve. What are you saying to people as to where they should start with their cost cutting exercise? So all the conversations I've been having about cost cutting, I've always prefaced it with, we need to remain calm at all times because a lot of these decisions there's a human being at the end of all these decisions. There's a human being making the decision. There's going to be a human being that has a consequence of these decisions. So that's something that I've been really um, stressing and emphasising with my clients that now's not the time to just go slashing and burning and putting a line through a, 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 an amount on a profit and loss. You, you have to look at the human side of it. So I just thought I'd sort of open with those comments. Um, but realistically, I think... It's like most things, you get most bang for your buck by going for the big ticket items within any any business. And I think, you know, my experience with most, if not all businesses, is your, your three big things that, that cost the most in running a business are your rent, your wages, and your, your bank interest or your finance. And I don't think it's any uh, coincidence that they're the three line items that the government, the stimulus package, all the concessions are actually dealing with. So I think you'll find that if you can address those three line items, you'll actually get a, a fairly significant amount of bang for your buck. But again, the one that, that has most human element, obviously, are the wages. So that's something that you really need to focus on and, and have that line of communication open with your, with your team as early as possible and 
for them to get an understanding of what you, the business owner, is going through and what they're trying to, what you're trying to do to protect them. But at the end of the day, some some difficult conversations might have to be had, unfortunately. Yeah, well, it's one of those situations, isn't it? None of us like to do it. And one of the observations I make about small to medium business owners is they hate laying off staff or hate having to talk to their team about a wage reduction. What about you, Rebecca? Um, what's that? Where, where are you suggesting people start when they're, when they're looking at their costs? Unfortunately, it is all in the same area. When we're talking about those three major costs, the wages is really the only one in that scope that the business owner generally has some control over and can make quicker decisions. That, of course, so long as those decisions are made in line with fair work and the appropriate awards and any other industrial relation issues. But um, some of the other areas that we're doing, they're just, it's a, a line by line going through your profit and loss and just having a look at what are those costs that are in your control that you don't need to really be spending any money on anymore or can cut down. And it can be as simple as reviewing your subscription costs, um, you know, travel expenditure, not like um, national or international travel, but more localized, you know, any, any of your general driving around or having a look if you have any other lease payments that you need to reduce on motor vehicles that aren't being used at the moment. And um, a few of those costs going through the business that cost that, that um, incur the most expense for people, it's going to vary from industry to industry as well. So I want to keep this really, really practical today. When you say go through your P&L line by line, how do you actually go about doing that? Is, is it a printout? Is it, do you download it? Do you jump into zero? What would you suggest to people? Well, for me, I actually export it out of zero and then go through every single line in Excel and just tick off once I've actually addressed whether or not they're the appropriate expenses. Doing it live in zero is the easiest way to go about it as well because you can drill down and actually see how many transactions occurred, where they were all from. You get the full detail of that ledger really easily. It's much better than trying to print out your whole entire ledger and then tick it yeah. off manually. I, know, I mean, that's, I did it for our business. I mean, no business is, is immune to, to COVID-19. So um, that's exactly what I did. I downloaded an Excel version of the P&L. I had zero on my other screen. Um, and I went in and dived into every every line item and, and dug deep into the into the transactions. And I wrote comments beside it and sent that to our internal accountant to um, to to investigate. What about you, Bradley? You got any sort of practical sort of tips around reviewing the detail, those line by line item type reviews? All of what you both just said, but John, when you said you just made some comments and then referred that to the internal accountant, I actually like the idea of having a live conversation with either your internal accountant or your external accountant or someone else within the business so that you're actually externalizing those thought processes as you go along. Is this required? Is this essential? Is this necessary, et cetera, et cetera. Sometimes I think it's just good to externalize that stuff. It, it makes it a little bit more sort of personalized and you, you sort of get feedback on the consequences of your actions. Yeah, I take that. That's a good tip. You know, don't do it in isolation. Do it with, with others involved as, you, as you're sort of working through it. Are there any other ways to identify the opportunities to, to cut some costs or to identify some, some waste within your business? It's one of those things, I think, that obviously we've been forced, a lot of businesses are being forced into this now as a result of 
you know, unprecedented times. But realistically, it's one of those things that you just, as a business owner, you need to be very, very familiar and intimate with all the money going in and out of your organisation. So if you look at it as, as an opportunity, because I'm still very, very, you know, it, it's everyone's accepting of the fact that we are going to come out of this. It's it's where I are able to actually be able to pop our heads out of our houses and start roaming the streets at some stage. So from an opportunistic perspective, what greater opportunity to really go through your business line by line and, and get a really good understanding of how your business ticks um, and look at it in the context of, all right, we have to be probably a little bit more cutthroat than we, we need to be now. But when we pop out of this, how can we make this business a far more efficient uh, machine going forward? You talked before about wages, and obviously it's one of the big three on most P&Ls. Um, Rebecca, I might ask you first, what approaches to, to wages are you seeing out there that you, that you think are, are being implemented effectively? It will depend on what industry the, um, the business actually runs because you have to be really mindful, and we had the chat the other day, around fair work obligations, the number of employees, the size of the organisation, um, and additional awards, which uh, can vary across any, every state in Australia to make sure that whatever you do with your staffing, that there's not going, you're not going to be opening yourself up to a potential industrial relations issue. But we do, um, when I've seen some businesses go through the staffing that they have, they really have that look at what is the job description? What are they doing on a day-to-day -day basis? Are they fully being utilised in the business? Uh, I think that many businesses, particularly those going through a bit of a growth period, or even if they're a bit stagnated, will keep excess capacity in their staffing in good times on that hope that they can you know, pick up that extra product or that extra service or the extra sale and still be able to service their clients and customers appropriately. This is not a time for that. Everyone needs to be, everyone engaged in your organisation needs to be at full capacity. Yeah, so it's not time for any any slackers or, as I always say, there's no time for anyone to be sleeping on your couch at the moment, um, right. using your resources, drinking your beer, um, all those types of things. And if there is someone sleeping on your couch, you need to know who they are um, so that you can have that discussion. What about you, Bradley? What are you seeing being an effective way to reduce your costs specifically on wages? Um. As far as, well, it's, it's all part of the process. I don't know whether this specifically relates to reducing those costs, but I found that um, a lot of my clients have an amazing team and the team actually want to be involved in the process as well. So I think if you can get the team to take ownership of what's going on in the world, I think that goes a long way to, they'll actually come up with suggestions to say, well, maybe I can do this or maybe I can take some leave or maybe I can sort of go down to, you know, we can go down to, as a team, we can go down to a four-day week. So everyone takes a little haircut as opposed to someone has to lose their head completely. So, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the times you've got some excellent, excellent team members out there Get involved in the get them involved in the process. I, you know, it's you'd have to be sleeping under a rock to really not understand that this is this affects absolutely everyone at the moment. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a tricky one though, isn't it? Because I mean, we think about our audience here today. We've probably got a group of people who unfortunately have been forced to 
to to have a lot of layoffs of their of their staff or whatever the terminology is from a from a fair work perspective and then we've got these others that are sort of that next sort of wave that are that are thinking about this and i really feel for these people that have had no choice but to but to close their doors but for those that are coming through the idea of asking your team to identify those what reductions need to be had um, i think so i think it's a good idea and i think comes back a lot to your values and your culture um, within your business as to whether you can get away with that um, as well. What about um, what about break-even calculations? I know Craig Harrison in our office um, and myself talk about break-even calculations a lot with real estate businesses that we work with. Do you ever do anything much with break-even calculations, Rebecca, or do you think about that in a, from a different perspective? We do work with break on break-even calculations at all times, not just at a moment like this yeah. and um, really understanding that point where you have to at a bare minimum cover your costs is hugely important and that particularly is to understand what is that revenue that you need to generate to keep the lights on if the lights need to be kept on or whatever it is that you need to have still going on in your business and then to understand what the variable costs are against your income so for every item that you produce or every service that you produce, what does it actually cost you to get that out the door and get paid for it and to understand that and see if there's any uh, capacity in there to drive down those costs as well, either depending what industry you're in, contacting suppliers and negotiating, um, understanding what Bradley said before that on the other end of that supplier is another business owner with their mm. team going through the same thing as you are. This is a global phenomenon at the moment. Everyone's trying to do the same thing. Because a lot of the times now, it may not even be about break even. It may, may be about minimising the losses each month, isn't it? That's so right. that we don't build this big hole for us during this period of time. You mentioned there also about um, negotiating with your suppliers. Bradley, I might throw to you, how would you go about approaching your suppliers um, in a time like this? Or what have you seen people do that's been effective? Um, can I say the one thing that's not effective, ignoring it, sticking your head in the sand, just pretending that it's not happening, don't pay bills and don't keep that line of communication open. Um, human nature is such that if you don't hear anything, you tend to, to think the worst. So straight away, I'd say you have to keep that line of communication open. But it's also an understanding that, again, you know, your business is going through a very difficult time and you may not be that far away from turning the lights out. Well, chances are the suppliers are going through exactly the same thing. So it's almost similar along the lines of if the whole team can take a slight reduction in hours or, or, or pay, et cetera, et cetera, we'll all get through this. If people think too sort of selfishly and think about it in isolation, that's when, that's when things aren't going to go well. So I think you just need to be very understanding of all the decisions that you make and what the, what the impact that have on people. I think ScoMo said that the other night, didn't he, when he was talking about the commercial landlords. You know, everyone's got something to wear through this. Everyone's got to wear a little bit of their, a little bit of their cost. I think what, like what you said, Bradley, I think if, if people start to try and use this to take advantage of a supplier, I think it doesn't pass the smell test. And I think um, the suppliers sort of see through that pretty quickly. Have you got any tips, Rebecca, from a negotiating with suppliers perspective? It's all about being honest about what it is that you need from your supplier. If you can't pay at all, explain to them that circumstance. Don't just put your head in the sand. Actually talk to them. Let them know what's going on. Um, 
quite often they, particularly now, they're going to be in a similar position potentially. So they're going to want to negotiate with you. There might be different deals that you can do. There could be some cost cutting. They might be able to wear a little bit of a reduction in their usual profit to pass on to you so that you have less losses or get closer to that break-even point. But it's all about honesty and knowing your numbers before you go into the conversation. Mm. So don't just ring up and say, I can't pay you. What can you do for me? Mm. Know what you need as your starting point for, and, and start with that with the negotiation or start a little bit further if you're worried about the kind of person it is that you're dealing with. But absolutely understand your figures and what you need out of that conversation before getting into it. And you need to know your figures anyway during these times, don't you? Absolutely. So, um, um, so much more powerful a discussion when you're ringing up and you can talk about your position a bit more openly and a bit more um, clearly um, than just ringing up and asking for a handout. What about, um, obviously, during these times, we've got to hone in, have tighter cost control, tighter um, monitoring of our, of our cash flow. Has either of you got any tips around sort of cash flow budgeting or, or cost control? And I'm looking for some, some real, I suppose, practical sort of little things you can do in your business to make sure you're keeping your eye on the ball with these things. I, I suppose, again, it comes down to communication. Like if we were talking about, you know, the, the, the good times, what are a couple of, couple of strategies that businesses use to, to help cash flow? It's all about getting your debtors in as quickly as possible and dragging your, your creditors out as long as possible. Well, as far as I'm concerned, that's, that's, that doesn't apply. You know, we're all in this together at the moment. So I think it really is just a matter of constantly communicating with both your debtors and your creditors to understand their situation and trying to get an understanding of if they're in a position where they can give a little, then that's great. If you're in a position that you can take a little, uh, take a little pain that is, well then that's great. But again, it's, it's just, if we all collectively do a little bit, we've got half a chance of getting through this thing. If we, if everyone just sort of looks very self, it looks very selfishly into this, that's when we're going to get ourselves into strife. So as much as that's not really sort of pinpoint sort of things that you can do, I think it's just that line of communication is going to go a long way. Anything to add yeah. to that, Rebecca? Yeah, I think the businesses need to really understand, particularly over the next three to six months, their cash flow budget. So not just looking at where you can slash and cost out of your profit and loss based on historical transactions, sit down and figure out what that looks like for the next six months. And then don't just do it and let it sit. Go back and review it all the time, particularly if your business is highly impacted at the moment. Do it weekly, do it daily, do it as often as you need to be comfortable that you know on this day this money needs to come out and then you know what money you need to make sure is there to make that happen. And just be across that, be forewarned at every single step is at this point in time going to be one of the best things to get you through it. Yeah, I've been talking to people about getting more micro with their numbers again now, with their yeah. budgeting in particular. Um, and I've been bringing it back to that weekly sort of budget now, um, whether you yeah. use Excel or you use some of the add-ons that are available to the to the Zero ecosystem. You know, the Excel spreadsheet that has a column per week and there's a rolling sort of budget that you can move things out or move things forward as necessary is, is what I've been doing, that's for sure. What about the banks? The banks have announced um, some assistance packages and support packages. Um, Rebecca, do you, are you able to talk us through what, what the general theme is of what they've offered people to, to enable them to push out some cash flow commitments? Yeah, the, the, it varies a little bit from bank to bank, but generally they're all trying to get on board and understand the $250,000 or up to $250,000 um, government-backed uh, business loans. 
remembering that these are only over a three-year period and they give you a six-month pause on, um, on repayments. Now, what that means is at the end of six months, you're going to have two and a half years to pay off the loan. So although the, the, the banks don't need to be super concerned about your current situation, they need to understand the history of your business and your potential to get through this um, situation to be able to repay whatever you take out in two and a half years, which is actually very short term. That's a, that, that's a small turnaround. And to put it in, um, and put it into to realistic um, means to pay that off with some interest in two and a half years. And if you've got the max $250,000, you need to be having pre-event profits of over $100,000 a year, if not more, that extra disposable cash to actually repay it. And that's what the banks are looking at. And they're requesting all the same information they always have for their loans. So they want up-to-date financials. They want forecasts. They want to understand why you need the money and where you're going to spend the money and they want to know where you're up to with all your tax situation. They'll be much more lenient, understanding the circumstances, but you still need to have all that data and be really confident. You know, like what Bradley said before, don't, don't run around and try to get more money than you actually need to get through here. It, it'll just shoot you in the foot later. Figure out what you need, apply for the loan then, and then as far as um, your your borrowing capability is concerned, just have all of your ducks in a row. So, so these loans that you're talking about, just so that we're clear to the audience, these are the unsecured loans that you can get through the bank that the federal government has provided a 50% guarantee to take the risk out of it for the bank and therefore make the interest rate a lot more reasonable interest rate. Have you actually seen any, um, either of you, seen any of the banks come out with their, with their packages around those loans yet? Because I'm yet to see, see one myself. No, we're in the process of applying for quite a few for our clients, but it's on a case-by-case -case basis with the banks and the banks are still coming back and offering. You'll ask for one of those particular loans and they're, they're offering other solutions as well um, that they haven't really implemented it yep. in a very concise way yet. And, and Bradley, you've seen the banks sort of come to the party, so to speak, as well in other ways as well? Look, they're, they're offering all sorts of support. And obviously it's been, you know, it's, it's been out there in the media that the government's almost, you know, <clears throat> asking very nicely for the banks to provide as much support as possible, even if that is just a deferral of interest, a deferral of payments, et cetera, et cetera. And the majority of the banks, is in, in particular the big four of uh, my experience, is that they're, they're very willing to come to that party. Probably the comment that I'd make, and this sort of circles back to um, the, the topic before about knowing your business and knowing your numbers. Keep in mind here that what the banks are providing, they're not really free kicks. Mm. We're, we're kicking the can down the road a little bit mm. here. And I, I've got no problem with that theory when you're in preservation mode, and that's exactly what's going on right now. But we need to be mindful of the fact that this is going to come to a head at some stage. So as a business owner, you need to understand the liabilities that you're continuing to accrue and what's that going to look like when it comes the time to actually pay this money back. Because governments and banks are a bit funny like that. They will want their money at some stage. So we need to be mindful of the fact that there is going to be a cash flow and debt consequence of these kicking the cans down the road. Well, the interest is still accruing, isn't it? It's still accumulating on your loan, even if you've got a six-month deferral of payment. Um, and so you have to be very, very aware of that. As you say, it's not a, not a free kick. 
Correct. Uh, and, the, and and rent's exactly the same, right? Like We we'll, can talk about rent in a minute, but yeah. a lot of the rents that we're talking about, it's a deferral. It's not a free kick. So we just need to keep that in front of mind. Yeah. But before we get on to the landlords, I just want to just make sure that the Queensland listeners are also aware of the Queensland government loan that they've got out there. It's actually a, a, a $250,000 limit as well. It is unsecured up to $100,000 and then over a hundred to two fifty, dollars um, they require a, a general security. Um, it's it's like a loan. You've got to provide your details, your, your net assets. We've done a couple of applications for people now. Um, and I think it's 12 months, no repayment, no interest as distinct to the government guaranteed bank loans. And it's a 10 year facility as well. So we're seeing that really popular up here in, up here in Queensland. Um, onto the landlords, you mentioned they're the landlords, um, Bradley. What are you seeing the landlords doing? What are you seeing them, them offer? Um, by way of some sort of relief or assistance or support to your clients? So what I'm seeing at the moment is, again, that landlords coming to the party of understanding that people are doing it tough at the moment. And let's face it, it's, it's, there's no benefit for landlords to be sort of going hard at the moment and ending up pushing people out and ending up with, with vacant vacant buildings anyway and you've got that six month restriction on on evicting people anyway so i think the landlords are being quite sort of uh, mature in saying that we'd rather have tenants in there and if we can just sort of provide some deferral or some assistance in the form of deferrals um that that might work for us in particular if the same landlords are actually getting some deferrals from the banks that sort of goes towards that whole, well, the banks are giving the landlords a little bit of a deferral, a little bit of a, 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 a bit of breathing space, then I will basically uh, pass on that breathing space to my tenants. Mm. So, but again, it's very important to understand that there's no, I'm not seeing many, I oh, don't worry about paying rent at all. Yeah. It's all a matter of, we'll push it down the road in three, four months time, six months time, when hopefully the world starts getting back to normal again. But some of these landlords don't actually have debt and some of them re require the rent to be their own source of income as well, don't they? Oh, they do. They do. And I suppose that sort of lends itself towards that we're all in this together and everyone's yeah. got to take a little bit of pain because if we all take a little bit, we'll all survive. If they if they go hard on this, I just don't see that they uh, stand to, to gain much at all. Yeah. What are you seeing, Rebecca? Are they being more aggressive down in Sydney? Absolutely. Um, we've had a lot of pushback on, um, well, it's not pushback, but again, it's that request for deeper information. Mm. Um, we've even got a couple of, unfortunately, hospitality locations that have shut their doors and can't get the landlords to actually give them any break on the rent, which is phenomenally disappointing given the environment. Um, we don't, we're circling back around to that every time that there is something else that Scott Morrison says in the space just to remind them, well, you can't evict them anyway and there's no cash, so let's negotiate here. Um, primarily for the businesses that have had to completely shut the door as opposed to if, we, if the, biz, the landlord's in a position to be able to assist as opposed to um, dropping rent down um, and then catching it up later, what we're doing is trying to just negotiate a longer term lease instead so that there yeah. isn't that nasty cash flow hit later. More than likely, they were going to stay in these premises potentially in the future anyway. So just adding an extra guaranteed period of income to the landlord in that circumstance is um, working here and there. But yeah, I think that some landlords are concerned um, if you're not in that hospitality or fitness industry or that industry that had to close, are you really 
yeah. struggling or yeah. are you just saying that because you know you're not using the space because everyone's working from home so you don't really want to be paying for something you're not using for yeah yeah, you know, which is, you know, it, it's, a, it's a dangerous space for landlords who don't come to the party as well because th- there is this potential in the service industry mm-hmm. that a lot more of us moving forward will have smaller spaces because we're going to get used to having this mix of working from home. I can see yeah. hot desking becoming really popular again. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think that strategy of, you know, I know for those industries like hospitality and, and fitness that have been um, completely closed their doors, I've seen some landlords, like you say, that have got that, they might give them a, not a waiver, but a, a relief from their rent for a period of time. And I like that idea of just adding that period of time on, on the end of the lease as well. And I have seen landlords, you know, make sure they take a different approach depending on the industry, maybe giving some sort of discount, but reviewing it on a monthly sort of basis because um, we all know the real estate institutes are lobbying the government pretty strong at the moment um, to get some type of support or some type of relief um, for landlords and tenants in this regard as well. I think at the end of the day, if this turns into a timing issue for everyone, that's going to be far more palatable than people actually being out of pocket full stop. So I think it's almost like you should be aiming towards it becoming a timing issue uh, than anything else. There's also a number of businesses out there that are still able to trade, still able to make income and raise invoices. Um, and so they may actually not, or may not qualify for the job keeper payment, which requires a, a, a 30% drop in income. But they might have this issue down the track around recovery of those of those invoices that are that are raised. What tips would you provide, Bradley, around recovery of invoices or processes about making sure that you're you're getting your your invoices paid as promptly and um, appropriately as possible? Um, again, I'm starting to sound like a bit of a broken record, but it's all about that communication issue and understanding what's going on at the end of that email that shoots off the invoice at the end of the month, end of the period, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's, it is, it's, it's getting an understanding of how your, how the businesses or how your customers are actually traveling so that you can sort of cut them a little bit of, um, cut them a little bit of slack when required. Um, but it all comes down to a lots of little things too, like instead of, waiting for a, a reasonable period of time and then smacking them with a big invoice. If you've got the opportunity, invoice them on, on more regular basis so that those, those, that those amounts become a, a slightly more palatable chunk that's got to be paid as and when they fall due. Um, and again, just it's that squeaky wheel. Don't forget us. We're here. Um, you owe us money. We're being understanding as possible. Um, and where we've been able to give you a discount or where we've been able to give you extended terms, well, we're happy to do so. Yeah, so it sounds like more regular sort of communication. Obviously, Rebecca, you've also got your, your role with um, Practice Ignition that this, this topic's very, very close, I dare say, to, to that role. What would you say in, in that regard to your, to your data recovery? Um, from the, the Practice Ignition side anyway, there's always that focus on that reoccurring revenue stream. So reoccurring revenue is a lot more secure than always having to go out and find new clients or new customers. So um, having having that set up, it, it's probably potentially a little bit late now, but looking at, um, Bradley said that, that smaller invoicing and then halting work or halting supply if there is this repeated non-communication, because it's not just you as the, the person sending out the invoice who needs to stay in communication. If they can't pay, they need to stay in communication with you as well. So if you're just getting a brick wall, stop supplying. 
don't incur those variable costs associated with your supply of service or goods, actually completely stop that um, if you're not getting any response from them either way. Well, it's There's compounding a- the issue, isn't it? If you Even if it's a, a service industry and you're, you're dedicating your team to provide something on a, on a job that you don't actually get paid for at the end when they could have been working on someone that, that was able to pay. That's right. And then there's a couple of other little practical tips there, here and there. If, if you use zero and depending on the industry you're in, um, you can sign up for something like Creditor Watch, or, which will actually watch, um, watch people who owe you money and notify you if they have made any sort of lodgement anywhere where they are in distress so that you can stay ahead of it or if there have been multiple complaints about them. And that, you know, I mean, it's, it's never an awesome opportunity, but there are things like debtor finance and stock yeah. finance and fee funding. If you're in service industries, there's lots of places now that offer a fee funding solution and whether or not, you know, you could get on board with something like that. Now um, you'd have to speak to the finance institutions, but it might be worthwhile if you're really suffering and are having an issue getting clients and customers to pay you. Yeah, I mean, I find just like you said, Bradley, just that open conversation up front, though, rather than in arrears um, around how they're going to pay the invoice and offering those fee funding solutions or, um, you know, asking for some money in advance, whether it be 50% in advance and 50% in arrears um, or having some sort of direct debit arrangement in place. Um, it, goes, it goes a long way to making sure you get paid because you've had that conversation up front. You put an arrangement in front. Of course, there's also the um, outsourced debtor recovery solutions that are out there as well um, as a way to outsource that, not constant um, contact, but more regular contact and more regular being able to get to the, the crux of why they haven't actually um, ha- actually paid their, their invoice. And some John, of that you what- can set up automatically off yeah. zero file like data daddy and um chaser these are you know relatively cost effective solutions that can get on top of your debtors particularly if you have a numerous um amount of debtors that are just a little bit too hard for you to stay on top of yeah the automatic statements and and, and sending the invoices that are unpaid and those types of things bradley you were going to add something to that I was just going to say, maybe it's sort of more specifically towards professional services, but maybe now's the time to do a sort of a a temporary review of engagement, just to make sure that the services that you are supplying to people are what they need right now. Like now's not the time to be sort of going out and doing all this sort of really proactive stuff. So if you could drill down and say, well, what do you need from us right now and how are we going to sort of be able to, to afford that? as opposed to give them this reoccurring invoice for stuff and they're looking at it, they go, well, that's not even applicable to me right now. This, yeah. is, this is the new world. I need to review my engagement and maybe we can get it back on track when, we, uh, when the world gets back to normal. Yeah, and I've had both conversations both ways on that one, Bradley. I've had people ring me up and say, you know, that standard arrangement that we have, I'm no longer going to need that anymore. I need to keep my costs low and I need to keep my cash in my, in my bank. So can we just take that off and, 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 and change it? But then I've had others who go, okay, now I need you more. I need to talk to you more and I want more contact with you um, and actually had increases in fees at the, at the same time. That service engagement and, and addressing that actually leads on to a question that we've got in here from one of, um, one of the people listening in. Um, Trevor wants to know whether or not it's a great time to reevaluate your marketing strategies, which is often something that people um, are locked in on a month-to-month basis. And um, I, I'd say, again, that that actually depends on the industry that you're mm. in and whether mm. or not 
it is business as usual and how different it is for you and what you need to do with those marketing strategies. What do you think about this school of thought that you just marketing is one of the first costs that you cut? Yeah, I'll let you go, Rebecca. I, I think I think you've got to be a little bit careful. This, you've got accountants talking about marketing now. How much, <laughs> what, can go, what could go wrong here? Um, but there's a couple of things there. It's basically all right. You've got you, you want you want your business to sort of to, to reduce its heart rate. You don't want it to go completely asleep. So you don't want to be missing out on all opportunities that are out there. But also, again, if you're paying for stuff that is not applicable in this time, is that a conversation to have with your marketing supplier and say, well, obviously, we didn't plan on a global pandemic when we signed up six months ago. Is now the time to do sort of a temporary halt or stay on that engagement or a change of engagement so you feel like you're getting a better value proposition? I think what you'll find is with the marketing, particularly with what's going on and the way businesses have had to change their model completely overnight to move to, you know, an online solution or, you know, they just want to make sure that people still remember who they are at the end, then maybe it's it's going to be more of a change in your marketing as opposed to a cancellation of your marketing. You, you know, businesses that have had to shut have spent a long time building up a really good brand and reputation. It would be terrible if that was to be forgotten in the next six months. And yeah. there needs to be some sort of filtering out into, into the market so that no one forgets who they are. And um, particularly if, you know, if you've always been a face-to-face business and you've gone online, the chances are you don't know how to do your marketing online well. And it might be something that you need to invest more in for the first time not less, but having those conversations with whoever's doing your existing marketing and addressing, do I really, really need another 10,000 reams of letterhead? No, probably not. Um, but maybe you need a whole new digital campaign instead. Yeah. And look, I, I tend to agree. I, I agree with some of the comments Chris has made um, in the chat here on the, on the webinar as well. And that marketing is probably not something I think you should just go and cut in these times, but like, Rebecca and Bradley have said, you've got to make sure you're getting value out of what you are spending. And it's no different. It shouldn't be separated out. Um, It's no different to any other cost. If you have a cost and you're not getting value out of it, but I'd add to that, you're not getting value out of it now, given the issues that are going on, then you need to review it and see whether it needs to be dedicated to something else or whether you do need to try and have some savings um, in that regard. Because during a crisis like this, this is a great time to build a brand. It's a great time to add to the brand promises, to add to the personality of the brand. And we're going to have a combo with, um, with Tyson from our team um, talking about marketing through um, COVID um, and what, how that is an opportunity to, to, to build a brand. But I would say don't separate it out. It is no different to any other cost. That just needs to be reviewed to see whether it delivers value. Okay. Um, Moving right along then, you, you've talked a lot, Bradley, in particular, about getting the team involved in, in some of these conversations. With remote working and, and so forth, how would you go about doing that? Is it just, do you go to them and say, okay, we need to find a 20% cost saving, you tell me where you save it, or is it a workshop, or what do you do? Um, it depends on the individuals, it depends on the leader, it depends on the relationship with the team. So I don't think there's a one, one sort of situation fits all. I think it's got to be very bespoke and it's got to suit the team of uh, the team that you got and the individuals. Um, and I think it all comes down to different lines of communication. You've got communication as a group 
and then you've got communication as as a as individual as well because there's going to be times where people have got some real uh, valuable of real value to provide but they don't sort of like doing it in a group environment so I think you've got to find all those opportunities to get the best out of your team both from an individual perspective as well as collectively and that that comes down to all different lines of communication as well at the moment as well so obviously we're doing more slack and zooms than I've ever done in my life and it's it's all I think still face to face is critically important because you get an idea of what's going on behind the eyes when you can actually see people's eyes and I think that works for both uh, for both parties so giving them an understanding of what's going on in your business and where they can contribute so that we all pop out at the other end what about you Rebecca you got any tips on how to get the team involved so it's always just trying to create a safe space for the team. So mm. give them that option to actually go out, research and come back to you and make sure that you always have a relationship with them where they know that it's safe for them to speak to you either way about whatever it is that they, they need to and to um, engage with them without that there shouldn't be a fear in the relationship between you and your team. It should, it should, should always be a safe space that encourages opportunities. Yeah, and that could be tricky if you haven't already created that safe space historically. It could be tricky through this online environment that we're now operating to build that safe space, but there are things you can do. Yeah. I know Zoom is is our sort of online um, meeting tool of choice. And, you know, we did um, our first breakout room the other day within within Zoom, and I actually thought it worked um, quite effectively um, once I worked out how to do the technology. Um, and so anyone who's doing Zoom, anyone who's trying to do a workshop, maybe with a team or you've got a big group and you need to break it down to get to a particular topic, um, I'd actually be a big, big fan of um, breakout rooms and, and using that as a way to, um, to get your team engaged in these types of things. Okay. <laughs> Guys, um, are there any more questions on there, Rebecca, that we want to sort of quickly cover off on? Otherwise, we'll start to, to bring it to a close. Yeah, uh, there's no more questions, but there is another comment in here from Trevor around employees who are currently working from home and for those who have a minimal workload, whether or not this could be an opportunity to upskill them and research what webinars and workshops are available. So this is actually going to be something that would be quite interesting that will come out of when we finally get the legislation on Wednesday. There's a lot more businesses will be able to retain more staff than they originally anticipated. And that means businesses that have closed and their staff actually aren't doing things. So if you've got that wage covered for them, then what else could they be doing at that time? And absolutely, there's an opportunity to upskill them. You know, The goal for everybody, for the whole economy, is to come out of this at the end, to be able to go on and do bigger and better, brighter things. A well-educated team is always a great tool to have. Okay, guys, as I, um, as I wrap this one up, um, as we said right at the beginning, we can't have a, a conversation about the numbers. We can't have a conversation about costs without also talking about the humans but what would be your final word of advice to business owners out there who are yeah maybe going through some tough times at the moment um what would you be telling them to do today bradley i might start with you if you don't mind oh, look and i know this is going to be a difficult thing for some businesses to to sort of get their head around because you know they're they're in pretty dire straits at the moment but if, if everyone can just, as to the best of their ability, just hold on, this thing will end at some stage. So if we can all hold on and all work together and keep that line of communication open, I think 
there's a very good opportunity to come out actually stronger and a better business as a result of this, but we just need to hold on and we need to be brave and we need to show a little bit of resilience and, and leadership for our teams because they're the team members are looking to leaders for, um, for a little bit of inspiration at the moment. Yeah, good advice. Rebecca, what would your final word of advice be? Know your numbers and do your budget and stay really, really close to them. Um, absolutely, we all want to get through this. And if you know your numbers, we're all going to get through it a lot easier. Yeah, I'd probably say the same thing in a slightly different way, Rebecca. I'd say don't be an ostrich. Don't bury your head in the sand. You absolutely need to know your numbers back to front, inside out, every way you possibly can um, at the moment. Because what's going to be more important than anything else is the ability to flex and the ability to make decisions quickly um, during these times. I've been talking a lot about how businesses now need to start thinking like a startup. And if you think about the terminology within startup land, you know, you've, you've, how much have you got in the kitty? which might include money coming in. What's your burn rate? How much are you burning every week, every month? And therefore, what's your runway? Um, because it's quite possible we're going to need to bootstrap um, for a little while within our business just to get through this dip. Guys, thank you everyone for joining us. Um, as always, a copy of this webinar recording will be online under the blog tab at businessdepot.com.au. Keep an eye out for any updates to the COVID-related support packages, bank assistance packages, and other tips and practical takeaways um, on our main blog, which the shortened URL for that is bit.ly, so bit.ly forward slash BD COVID updates. Type that in. Otherwise, it'll always be the top blog for the next little while um, through our blog scroll. Um, we're going to keep rolling out our calm COVID convos over the next little while. Next one's actually, we're going to actually take a bit of a different angle on our next one. It's going to be around investing um, during these times. Um, but also, we'll probably do an impromptu one as soon as we get some legislation with regards to the JobKeeper payment. So we're expecting that this week. Um, Notably, there was some more information came out through a frequently asked questions sheet from Treasury today, um, indicating that the intention is to apply the JobKeeper payments for self-employed people that only receive dividends and distributions from trusts or companies rather than wages as well. So keep an eye out for that. Um, we'll do that very quickly after um, any, any information comes out. Otherwise, please enjoy your week. Try and stay calm, stay well, um, and more importantly, try and have a, have a break over the um, coming long weekend. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, everyone.